Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. M.C. Escher, Journey into Infinity is the story of a world-famous graphic artist, M.C. Escher, or Maurice Cornelius Escher. Equal parts history, psychology, and psychedelia. Robin Lutz, entertaining and eye-opening portrait, gives us the man in his own words and images. Diary musings, excerpts from lectures, correspondence, and more voiced by British actor Stephen Fry. While Escher's woodcuts, lithographs, and other print works appear both in original and their playfully altered form. The film, again, is called M.C. Escher, Journey into Infinity. And we are joined today by the director, and that would be Robin Lutz, as well as the producer, Marinka Dion. Uh, to both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, there will be a whole generation of people who will, be, who will hear the name M.C. Escher, and they know they've seen his work. But I'm so grateful for the film for the reason that a lot of people may not today be so aware of M.C. Escher and his work. And uh, and it's so much more than the legend of M.C. Escher, what led you to believe going back to the times when I was exposed to it. Uh, I'll start with you, Robin. What was it that uh, prompted this documentary for you? What 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 was the impetus for this project? I'm born in, in the world of uh, graphic artists. My father was a graphic artist. So uh, I grew up in, in, in the world of art and, um, and graphic uh, techniques. So when Marenke and I finished a film, she said, what are we going to do next? All of a sudden the word, the word Asher felt. She said, that's great. That's, I loved Asher. And I said, well, I prepared a long time ago and just a film plan. So we looked at the film plan and we looked at each other and said, let's start it. So it happened. Okay, Marenka, take it from there. What was uh, sort of, where's your entry point into the world of MC Escher? How does, how does this all kind of unfold? Well, when I was younger, I had the poster of Day and Night in my bedroom. So it started already there. And then later in my life, I um, studied art history and I became director of Panorama Mestach. And maybe you know, panoramas are optical illusions as well. So I always remained very interested in optical illusion and Escher is, is a master of it. So when Robert said Escher, yeah, the youth thing popped up again. <laughs> so, yeah. And we'll get into why that happened. I mean, there's there was a kind of a confluence of cultural things going on uh, in the youth culture around the world. Also, a Time Life article. We'll get into some of that later on. But for those of the for those of the people who are listening, what is the best way to describe kind of the school of graphic art that M.C. Escher came out of? Uh, Marenka, do you want to take that? Uh, yes, I, I think he uh, is, is really grabbing people, taking their attention by making them wonder, by playing with, with illusions. He's uh, yeah, showing you things you, we all know, birds, uh, insects, uh, fishes, and all of a sudden he's making a new world out of them. And when you look uh, really good, you, you see that it, it, it cannot exist in the way he is showing it. And then it starts to, to amaze you and, to, and you want to know how, 
how it's working and how your eyes are delusioning your mind. Yeah, the whole play between mind and eyes and uh, that that play is, is, I think, fascinating for everybody. Robin, do you anything to add or let's or if not his influences, sort of how he got started as an artist and sort of what influenced him? Well, he started uh, his education was, as, uh, as we say, classical, it was a classical education. He left for uh, Italy to live there. And what he was making in Italy, that was um, um, classical art, if you know what I mean. You know, he was uh, uh, making woodcuts of, of villages on his own way. It was, it was very Escher, but it was classic. It, you, it, there was no um, games in it. There was no infinity. It, it, it was just villages, trees. He was an, a really a fine graphic artist. If you talk about the the, the, the famous Mr. Escher, that that was his work starting. I guess it was around the Second World War. Then then he it it, it changed, and he said once, "I lived in Italy and I was." Touched by the outer world, that was the that was the villages and the live in Italy. He was touching him, and he was making woodcuts. He was drawing it, and he made woodcuts out of it. And then he he came back in Holland, and he missed his beloved Italy. He he missed his beloved world, outside world. And then he said, there was only one way to go on as an artist to look into my own world, and then what he was making after that moment that is the 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 Escher who became famous and you touched on it Uh, there's so many things about his life that really bear talking about uh, the influences and the things that happened during his life and meeting Yetta and all all of the things that sort of played into who he was and how it how it influenced his art but I'll go back to the very beginning of the film you have Graham Nash the uh, one of the lead singers from Crosby, Stills, and Nash talking about contacting Escher and asking him about his work, basically saying how much he of an influence he was having on Graham Nash, was he was having on Graham Nash at the time. And Escher denied that he was, in fact, an artist. He said he was a mathematician. And that's not exactly accurate. I'm sorry, Mr. Escher, you're not, you are an artist. But anyway, that, but nonetheless, it's so interesting the way that he approached the, 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 his work in, in some ways, the same way that an Einstein approached, you know, physics. Physics was a way into explaining the world around us and our, and our perception as opposed to the reality of the world. And in some ways, that's what it feels like for me when I, when I'm looking, when I'm watching this film. Escher was also in some ways using, math to to see the world i don't know if i'm doing a good job here of explaining what escher was about but robin a a little bit about how math played into the art and the influence of the the moors and the alhambra on his his work is is that too much (laughs) am i am i bringing too much into it or is it (laughs) it's a very large question but to 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 to, um answer and one part of it uh the fascinating thing is that Escher had a normal education. He was not specially uh, good in mathematics. Uh, he was always drawing. He was good in, uh, in in drawing. And the amazing thing is with his famous work, it is mathematically correct. There are a few professors in, in, uh, in the Netherlands 
who took one drawing, uh, it is called the uh, exhibition. It's, it's a turning point in the middle. And they recalculated scientifically what the original position was. It was mathematically completely correct, but it is so complex that Asher couldn't never know how he could make that. So it was by instinct he did it. And that is incredible. It's incredible that, 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 that his work is done by somebody who has not the um, uh, mathematical tools, but nevertheless, he created very complex and mathematical correct constructions. He's yeah. always complaining when he is uh, um, in contact with mathematicians that he doesn't understand their books and their theories and that he's very happy just to figure it out by himself, how it's, how it's working. Right. But he, he didn't understand what they were. Well, there, was, there was a there was a phrase or there was a scientific concept called crystallology mm -hmm. that, that he was that they approached him. Some people in the field approached him because he was doing in some way what they were a specialist in the field of, which I found fascinating. It, it, a little bit about that, uh, Marinka, um, just just that that sort of relationship unknowing as Robin was talking about sort of un, unbeknownst to him what he was doing in, on some level and how he was channeling this this scientific theory into uh, I can't all like this is one of the things his work but it was also pointing to something more ethereal and philosophical right yeah, in, in fact, it was the same thing. He he didn't understand at all where, where, what they were talking about. But in his uh, drawings, and especially in his um, tessellations, he, he was showing what they were talking about. So they were fascinated by him, and they invited him to a congress, and they <laughs> had an exhibition there. And he is, is saying, well, uh, I'm going. I don't know what they <laughs> what to tell them, but I can I can talk about my prints, and yeah. and it was the same thing. And he called himself to other people sometimes a mathematician because he didn't felt completely at home calling himself an artist because he was really a craftsman and um, modern art. He is yeah for him sometimes it was too much a kind of a trick and not enough craftsmanship. So in, in exhibitions, he felt he, he had a very, uh, his own style. So he felt a bit lonely and not at all in, his, in, in, in place in, in modern art. Yeah. I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with the director, that would be Robin Lutz, as well as the producer, Marenka de Jong, of this wonderful documentary film about uh, the artist mc escher it's called mc escher journey into infinity and it's coming out this week so be looking for it you can go to the filmschoolradio.com uh, website to find out all the information about how to watch the film uh but and but anyway it's it's a terrific documentary and i love the fact that uh you brought stephen fry into into being essentially being mc escher reading from his diaries this film is really a film in his own words with the exception of of his children being you know talking about their father it's him telling us really in no uncertain terms and he seemed to be a man uh 
who did not suffer fools gracefully, right? That's sort of, you see that from the very beginning of the film where he was approached by some hippies about some of his work. And he was aghast that they were essentially, why were they interested in it? And what have they done to his work? He seemed like a very, in many ways, proper, uh, he was his his background is that of I wouldn't say aristocracy, but he was he came from some some money, uh, people of means. Yeah. Is that is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, he had to, it was a wealthy family, and uh, they uh, they yeah supported him yeah. until his fame came and he could support himself. <laughs> right, right. But what? How did Stephen Fry? How uh, sort of how did they become part of the project? Robin. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good place <laughs> to start. <laughs> and. Yep. And the, he, he, he loved the idea to, to be the, the, the voice of Escher, and he did it so well, because he's talking to you, Escher is talking to you in the movie 40 years after his death, but it, it is so personal, he's, he's present, he's very present in the, in the cinema, in, 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 uh, if, you, if you're in the cinema, he's, he's there, he's talking to you, and he's passionated, and Escher... As a, as a man, he was very passionate too. Yeah, he was yeah. always wondering about little things. He, he he was never bored about. Oh, I've seen so many sunsets. I know them all. No, he's always wonder. He was always in wonder what he was seeing around. That you will feel also by the the the, the voice of Stephen Fry. He's so yeah, as I said, so yeah. present. Is one of those actors that it feels like he's a very well-educated person and that's the way he comes across in, in being MC Escher in this film, in the sense that there's a certainty to, to the way that he speaks about his work in this film. Uh, although at the same time, there's also a degree of uncertainty as to exactly how the world will see him, how the world will perceive him finding sort of finding his place in, in this in this sort of in his passion, how it translates to the rest of the world. The uh, I guess that the uh, Escher, the text we used, I mean, every word Escher is saying in the movie is directly his own word. And, and we took them from private documents like letters and things like that. And they, in fact, were never meant to be published. So what you hear is how he was always doubting himself. And in the same time, uh, determined to 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 make it possible to make it work to get the idea out of his head on paper, which never was like he he wanted. Yeah, he seems very much essentially like a private person. Yeah, um, but also that passion. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the era in which he grew up. He grew up. He was in Italy when Mussolini came to power. He saw the impacts of dictatorships, authoritarian regimes. How did that impact him in terms of his art? Is there a way for us to kind of quantify how that changed him as an artist or do we see it in his work? Marinka, would you like to? Yeah, he, he, he was not a very political man. He, he, he saw the beauty of the world and he didn't want to, to, yeah, to stay away from those things. So that was the reason he, he fled from Italy although he loved it there because he was very much uh, afraid that his sons were going to be little fascists. Uh, then he came into uh, via Belgium in Holland and here it was the Second World War. So he re refused here to, uh, to sign anything that he had to sign to be able to, uh, exp to expose and things like that. 
from the Nazis. So he he refused it. Uh, so he in in the, during wartime he was rather isolated without many possibilities to uh, to work. And afterwards he always also uh, stayed away from political things. Um, Robin Lutz, how how will people see Escher's work today? Is, are, how are how are audiences? taking in, generally speaking, I know you can't be too specific, it's every everyone who sees his work is going to have a very specific and personal um, uh, sort of reaction, but what do you see in terms of people seeing his work today? What will they see that they, we may not have seen 40 or 50 years ago? Or We filmed in, in, uh, in Italy, in Milan, and there was an exposition of Escher going on. Uh, there were rows of people waiting for two hours to get in. There were huge hundreds of hundreds of people waiting. It was freezing. It was cold, and they were waiting, waiting. And we filmed it. And afterwards, I became aware that there were, well, let's say at least uh, three quarters of uh, very young people. There were all, all the, there were schoolers uh, watching and going to to an exposition. And if you, there's a museum in the Hague, the Asher Museum, and there's an awful lot of young people going there. Tourists, young people are going there. So he's he's talking to uh, uh, different generations. But uh, like in the sixties, there were youngsters too. Marenk and I talked about it, and probably that it's it's not our theory, but probably has that to do with there's a game inside. There's a game in his work. You have to to watch carefully to see what's going on. It it. it it's you see logical things which are not logical at all. So it's it's an it's in game and youngsters, young young people like to play even in in their mind. Yeah, well, I, I wanted to say that in the in the movie we also showed Escher's influence nowadays because everybody in if you look in advertisement, if you Google Escher, it's amazing. You you find people's heads tattooed with his prints, uh, arms. Uh, <laughs> you find uh, the the heads of Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt uh, mingled together in his way. Uh, you the, people use it to play with in their own way, and that it, it's it's still an inspiration, and that's so funny. Right. Well, the Chris Nolan film. Go ahead. It was also very funny. We 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 filmed in in Italy in Siena also, and the, we were walking uh, an evening to go to the restaurant, and all of a sudden Marenka said. Look there, and there was a guy on the ground starting to make a huge azure from four by four meters, and he was just starting. And uh, we filmed it. It's a very short clip in the movie, and he was young. It was a, it was a man from let's say 30, 35 years. He was making a huge copy of an of an azure, and he worked for three or four days. And the taxis and the, the police cars they were all driving around this modern artwork. So, like Marenka said, he's an inspiration for, for lots of young young people, uh, writers, sculptors. He have an enormous influence on young people. Well, there's something unsolvable about his work. You can look at it for, you know, some of the, the infinity, some of the, as you mentioned, the earlier one, the exhibition. There is something that is tricking your mind, something that seems unsolvable, seems impossible at the same time you're seeing it. It is possible. You're watching, you're looking at it, so it's not impossible. There's this technique that he uses that continually cause you have to think about what you're watching or looking at. 
And uh, so there is that aspect to it. So, and of course, the young people who are inquisitive about the world around them and learning and experiencing things for the first time, these are very intriguing things. And you're absolutely right. The film Inception, Chris Nolan's Inception, is in some ways, it's a Escher painting come to life. It is, it is the whole yeah. thing is about fooling you into believing that you're seeing something that's really couldn't possibly be true. So his, you're right about his influence. And I, I'm so glad because you do refer to that at the, uh, in, in the film as, you know, people are rediscovering him. And the thing he says at the end, when he talks about, and you mentioned it earlier about <clears throat> his pursuit of wonder, that's really what sort of he, the wonder of the world, the wonder of, of his life. It is true. I love the the scene at the beginning. They're on stage and the the birds, the black and white birds are mm. dancing and then we see the birds fly through the through the frame. Whoever staged that, I thought that was a perfect way in a playful way to see Escher. Yeah. You talk about his, his techniques, but his techniques were graphic techniques. He wasn't graphic artist, but he had ideas in his mind. They were so complex, mathematically complex, and he was working on it for months and months to find a solution, so he could at least make it in a, in a graphic way to yeah. express his ideas, his ideas and his what he was sawing in his mind. It was probably not probably. He said, "I approach that idea, but it's never what I see in my mind. Right. It's always inferior in what I see." He really makes that idea of our perception of space, right? You can see one thing, but then you see the outline of the dark space and you realize after a period of time, it's something else as well. It's so There's so much on a visceral level, intellectual level, but it's the enjoyment of looking at someone who really, really was a wonderful artist. He was just an amazing, amazing man. Yeah. Well, I want to thank both of you so much for your time and also for this wonderful <clears throat> film, M.C. Escher, Journey into Infinity. And we've been talking with the director, Robin Lutz, as well as the producer, Marenka Dijon. Thank you so very much for your time, and thank you for spending it with us here on Film School Radio. Thank you thank for you. the interview. Yeah, and thank you for talking about it. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.